Welcome to Premier League Press Box, the podcast with stories you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Nigel Bidmead. There's no Ian Beach in this episode. He's been away covering the Youth Olympics and he's taking a well-earned break. But in between, he found the time to visit the Etihad and have a chat with the former Manchester City and Tottenham midfielder Michael Brown. Michael tells us about earning £29.50 a week as a YTS trainee at City, a piece of advice that stuck with him throughout his career, the game that launched City 2.0, playing until he was 40, and his new career in the press box. Before that, a short tribute to one of the finest sports writers of this or any other generation. James Lawton was best known for his work with the Daily Express and the Independent. A couple of years ago, I was surprised to bump into him at Cheltenham Festival, as I thought he'd retired, but he was writing for the Irish Independent, and he graciously agreed to be interviewed for the festival's radio station. Jim was far more entertaining and informative than any jockey, trainer or owner. Someone who knew him well is his former colleague on the Independent Sports Desk, Glenn Moore, who recalls a master craftsman. Lots of people have mentioned his ability to turn around words extremely quickly, um, which in a daily newspaper environment and going forward into a web environment is obviously extremely important. But it wasn't just the speed in which he pushed out words, it was the quality which he produced that made him quite unusual. There's quite a few of us could turn out words very quickly, but to do it with uh, Jim Splair um, and Panache is, is quite unusual. So I'd have spent several years working with him. And he would be the chief sports writer while I was at like an England match somewhere. And he wouldn't start writing until nearly half time. And we're talking about someone who's got 900 words, 1,000 words to write. And quite a lot of contemporaries or other people internally reported even will have some words written before the kickoff and you start writing words as the game goes on. And by half time is approaching, you've got a reasonable amount there, just a bit of bulwark against what might happen. Jim would be rung by the desk and they would say, who are you doing? We want to get pictures ready. And he said, I don't know yet. The game hasn't developed. And then he would start writing as, as half-time approach. And then by, by the final whistle, or before the final whistle for that role, he would have turned out 900 to 1,000 words of immaculate copy. So that was quite intimidating to work against, to be honest. Jim, um, Jim liked to write. There's no doubt about that. He liked to be in the paper. And similarly, he liked to be on the web. Uh, so there was no problem with asking him to do extra work, certainly. And in terms of the... The speed, you have to turn things around sometimes. The web, I can remember him being sent down. And he didn't do many interviews, like most chief sports writers. He was generally going to events, big picture stuff, or writing columns for home. But he was sent, for some reason, we sent him down to see Michael Vaughan at some event at the Oval. And he was an interviewer. And he turned it around at incredible speed. You know, and a, a beautifully polished interview. And I remember thinking, you know, it wasn't just the sort of columns and big picture stuff that he got because of all of the writer. He could do the other stuff as well. Even when the money got a bit tightly independent and it was written into Jim's contract when he joined that he would travel business class to America and the money got a bit tight towards the end and Jim was told, basically, we can't afford it. Yeah, and um, yes, therefore, we can't go. So Jim then volunteered to travel back and coach for the rest of us because he wanted to go. He wanted to go to the fight. He wanted to go to uh, Augusta, those sort of things. How would he compare to, say, Hugh McElvenny? Well, I put people like Hugh, like uh, Jim, like Wardridge, I put all those very much on a par. It's not easy to necessarily compare like for like in some respects, but I'd say they're very much in that pantheon of pantheon of, of, of that great writers of that era uh, who could write with great depth and authority on wide subjects. And of course, I have the benefit of 
being on the road at a time when access to athletes was so much greater. I mean, um, the, uh, these are writers who spent quite a lot of time with Muhammad Ali you know, in, in camp and would, and would actually sort of have dinner with people when there were no agents, there was no that sort of um, or club uh, PR officials keeping you away from players, partly because there were, there were fewer journalists, so there wasn't quite the demands needed to be managed. Uh, so they had that tremendous advantage. Therefore, you could have got closer to uh, people. I mean, Ken Jones would be another from my, well, certainly my paper, who, who knew these people uh, and became friends with them, which is quite difficult now. Who would Jim look at today, be reading today, and say, yes, they're carrying on the tradition of, of, of the great sports writers? Oh, that's difficult to say to pick individuals. What I would say is that there is a lot of good writing out there now. Um, the expansion of space in sport has led to um, more opportunity. Uh, there, is, there is a lot of good writers out there who are often working under, under, under much greater pressure in some respect. I mean, Jim would turn around words very quickly and very high quality, but the sheer, and obviously would also travel quite a lot, but the sheer amount of work demanded of journalists these days is, is much greater than 15 years ago, largely due to the internet and also uh, cost issues. Um, and there, there was a lot of very good writing out there. There's also a lot of stuff that isn't that great, um, understandably. But there was a lot of very good writing out there, particularly at the quality end of the market, but also in the tabloid end of the market. I mean, it's by no means exclusively uh, to, to what used to call the board sheets. The former independent sports writer Glenn Moore, remembering Jim Lawton, who died on September the 27th, aged 75. Now to the Etihad and someone who's just starting their career in the press box. Only the very best athletes play professional football for as long as Michael Brown. He started at Manchester City and finished at Port Vale where he went into management. He's met a lot of people along the way, including Ian Beach. Grey sky as it normally is in Manchester. You don't know all about that. How long did you spend playing for Man City? Oh, for a good few years, maybe six or seven years I would say. Straight from school into digs, which is an experience and... Uh, Thoroughly enjoying my time here. It's a brilliant club and I'm so pleased it's growing and getting better each year. Now it's just like it's a different place than when I joined, but it was always a big club. The supporters were fantastic. Away travel, as people know, was, was always great. Yeah, and it's, it's great to come back every time I do. So you went straight from school. You were born in Hartlepool. Were you going to school up in the northeast? I was at school and finished school at um, obviously 16 and you come yeah. straight in as, a, as it was then, a YTS. And... Uh, yeah, into digs with family, which was strange, with other boys, and you're away from home for your first time, and, and you learn the hard way, and you, you'd get the bus into, into work, or try and get a lift somehow, and be creative with your expenses, so you could get the odd Saturday night out, because you got about 30, I think it was about £29.50 was your wage, Wow. Uh, to live away from home. And this is what, the yeah. early 90s, something like that? Yeah, it's going back, maybe 90, 93, something like that. Yeah. I need to ask my dad, he's got but the As brains. recently as that, you were getting £29.50 £29 a week. Pounds, you know? yeah. And then obviously the expenses, you could be creative and jump in a few lifts, you might save £30, and then you've got 50 quid for the weekend. So it was, uh, it was all good. And it, you know, it was about your education and learning, uh, learning your trade. And, and, uh, and we had some good coaches and, at, um, at Man City and, and managed to get through very, very quickly at 17. What sort of players were in the, the youth team with you then? Are there people who went on to make careers? There was. I think, um, you know, they've always been productive now. I think a couple of years behind, you had the likes of Joey and Wright Phillips. The ones above you, they'd just seen the Brightwells come through, Flickcroft and um, the Mike Sherrins and people. And, you know, around me was a lad called Chris Greenacre who went and played for Stoke and Tramia and other people all made debuts. And uh, Jim Bentley, great centre-half. I don't think he actually played here, but obviously manager of 
manager of Morecambe for such a long time. So obviously had a, a long career in football. He's one of the maybe the second longest serving manager or something now, which is a, yes. which is full credit to him. And yeah, so just some great people. Neil McNabb came in and looked after the youth team. Really tough. Obviously a wonderful midfielder in in his day, and it was it was just a pleasure to work for him. And he, it was tough. And he always said to me, whatever you do on the football pitch, make sure somebody knows. I actually took it a little bit literally, didn't I? So I had to use every time I played. I remember played a played a young game. It was at um, obviously at Main Road. It was a testimonial against Manchester United. So I've gone on the pitch as a young kid and just started. It wasn't a testimonial of my eyes. So yeah, it got me into trouble ever since that day. So I blame him. But it was something that that stuck with me actually. Do you know, whenever you're not having a good game or a bad game, make sure somebody knows that you're on the pitch. And I thought that was quite. You know, so you watch people drift around games and. For whatever reason, they're not involved. You didn't do too badly, though, did you? You were you were Player of the Year, weren't you, in 1998 yeah. here? That must yeah. have been. A, you I must mean, have had a good season that season. I did have a good season. I mean, club-wise, it, you know, as I say, it was in the championship wasn't going so well. But me personally, did, and I got on great with the supporters. I was I was gutted when I left. It was just Joe Joe Roy wanted to go a different direction and not use me, and that, that's football. But yeah, I mean, I look back now and you see the names who've been on that trophy. Because obviously yeah. how successful Manchester City were and ha- and are now, yes, I course. did well to, to actually. Um, Nick, I need to get that listed to series in and get that that particular. Would it must be like yeah. Mike Summerby's probably on there from yeah. the, back in the the sixties and seventies, and then you know these days I suppose Sergio Aguero and uh, Yaya Toure, I guess. Yeah, they are, and it's um, you know to be to be on that, I, I, I need to see it. I need to find it. <laughs> if I feel down one day, I'm going to go and have a look at that. But uh, no, great times, and it was. Um, Joe, I think it was, you were really close to the supporters then. They got you doing lots of, lots of events and uh, meetings, and everyone had to go. And that's a bit different now. You, you, they, they're too far away from you. The players, they don't actually get to meet the players the way it is. So it was, it was a different thing. And the, the fan base now, the supporters club still invite you down and do lots of things for them. So I, I come to Manchester City a lot in different capacities. I was doing City Square for them last week and in the Tunnel Club. So yeah, it's great to come back and it's a wonderful, wonderful stadium, wonderful setup. You get more than £29.50 these days, of course. Um, you don't have to, we don't have to go into that too much, but I, no matter what you get paid... you you know, just standing here talking with you, I get the feeling you're still really enthusiastic about it. You know, I could, you must have had a spring in your step the way you're talking about coming to a game today as you came came over to the Etihad. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why I managed to play till I was 40. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think once you get to 30, you see these players, the managers, it's getting on a bit. Something happens in the game, you lose. It's always maybe the older one who's a little bit slower, gets caught on the ball or... And you had to keep proving yourself each year. And that was something I, I, I had. I wanted to make. The manager didn't pick me, picked me again. And that got me always my challenge to get to 40. And, and that was something I said. I think it was the best thing I ever did. That's what I lost out on. You know, other people do different things from between 30 and 40. And I carried on playing. And, and, I, and I felt like my career went quick. So from getting your debut at 17 to 40, I've had as long as probably as long as you, you could have out there. Maybe a couple of goalkeepers, etc. have gone a bit longer. But, uh, yeah, it was a um, thoroughly enjoyable career. And what I did enjoy is playing for all the different clubs. Yeah. Oh, yes, I would. I appreciate what a one club, you know, one club would feel, etc. But I managed to go for so many different managers, different players, different areas to live, um, and, and just different experiences. And it was... Uh, I've, been, I've been very fortunate. You had a couple of good games. At, well, one really good game at Wembley. One, I suppose, you had the FA Cup final. You lost with Portsmouth, didn't you, as well? Yeah. But, the one Do you look before, back on those? I mean, the one before we, we the City game against Gillingham. City Gillingham was yeah. uh, obviously that's where the, the, 
this club believes that's how the, the day it started coming back round, which was very much um, to do with how it's now developed. And it was just an amazing game to be involved in. And another one, we Portsmouth, the doors were closing. There was going to be no more Portsmouth. There was so many bad things about it. And we managed to find ourselves at Wembley against the Spurs team in the semi-final. And uh, they had Bale, obviously Luka Modric, Harry was manager, ex-Portsmouth, then me and Botang, uh, Ricardo Rocco, Jamie O'Hara went the other way. So there was a lots of Tottenham-Portsmouth connections. And we had no chance that day. No chance. But we, obviously, two weeks before, they were telling us the contracts were ripped up, the club was finishing and closed. And we play in a, a semi-final, although relegated. And we actually beat them. Yeah. Beat them to go to the final, which yes. was, I think, was one of the greatest feelings I've had as a player to watch 50,000 people thinking they had no chance and to actually win and when you ran to the you seen the joy was it wasn't just a celebration it was so it was sheer delight so that was a special moment when you look back to that and you see how the how when you run to the crowd at Wembley and then we, we lost it to Chelsea but yeah good, great games have been involved in with Manchester City coming to Tottenham we were 3-0 up I was at Spurs and, yeah. and they had 10 men Joey got sent off mouthing up at yeah. half time as usual <laughs> and 4-3 uh, and we yeah. lost it so yes yeah, so special games with Tottenham and Man City as well and, and yeah, yeah so you know, thoroughly enjoy when I look back at the games I have been involved in so you kept playing to your 40 you've, you've done a bit of management didn't you you managed Port Vale some for a while some people say I wouldn't have been playing when I, like the last few years I was out there I was making myself known but I wasn't necessarily doing any good but yeah enjoyed obviously management side of Port Vale uh, it was a big big test and something different but it was I really enjoyed my time it was just difficult circumstances and I didn't get enough time to, to, to turn it round but you must get results and no one really looks at why and what they look at results and unfortunately at that, at that stage with Port Vale it was, uh, it was a building building block which I didn't have time to put right So how long have you been out of football now if we, if we say out of football means you know not coaching not managing Not coaching management just approaching 12 months and uh, right. you know so I've had a nice nice break doing different things I've enjoyed doing different media all different size and, and yeah. different things of it really enjoyed that I'd like to do some more of that you're commentating today for BBC Manchester BBC Manchester today and I was down at West Ham And when did you do your first commentary I, I did something for obviously the commentary game was my first one which I'd done for BBC Manchester last season and it was, a, it was the first time I'd, I'd done it so I managed to go to Oldham a couple of times to Scunthorpe and at V Oldham I'd gone Man City I did uh, against Spurs so they were the first ones last season and you know, that was something new as well. So, and I'm still obviously trying to pick that up now this season to, to do a few more of those. And um, like I say, on Tuesday night, it was with Five Live with Kelly. She's very experienced. Um, it was brilliant down there watching the different games, different screens and, you know, different different things. And the, the commentary side of it's been good because you're at the games, you're more involved uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, interesting. Just before we started recording, really, you were talking about you don't really get any feedback. Is that what you were saying about yeah. what you've done? I mean, you... you from my point of view, I watch a play, the players out there, they're used to getting feedback, they're used to watching their games back and they're used to going away for a week and thinking, OK, what can I do better next week? And here you are, you go from, you take that level of professionalism, you bring it into our career, if you like, our kind of profession, and I suppose it's not really there for you, is that fair to say? No, or you, you're... no I'd, I'd just say it's, uh, it's a learning thing for me. I think feedback is, will, will help people and obviously coming out of the game to get to get better etc and, and we're obviously learning learning a new trade for us so it's um it's, a, it's like i say any feedback you do get it's um it's constructive and, you, and you're trying to improve it's a, it's a it's a totally new new job like me yes at 29 pound it's a it's a new career and yes you've always had a 
a mic in front of you doing interviews regarding the game, but then it's slightly different coming onto this side. Yeah, I mean, just speaking from my point of view, doing a commentary myself, you know, you always sort of like, li- like to listen back and hear it and you say, oh, I, I say that phrase too many times or whatever, you know, you, you probably end up doing the same yeah. yourself if you can record the stuff. But when you do an interview, I mean, it's a slightly different kind of topic, you mentioned the interviews. Did you ever watch those sort of things back when you were a player? And I you did, did yeah. yeah. I think all the players, all the players will have a look. I think when they do a particular one, they always think, well, OK, I've done one for a particular news channel or whatever it may be. You'll go and, you'll go and watch it. It's, it's human nature. I think, yeah. think these boys now that do so many, they might, not be, you know, they might not do so many of them to watch so many because they do them all the time. But generally, they'll have a little look. Many thanks to Glenn Moore and Michael Brown and indeed Beachy, who'll be back for the next episode of Premier League Press Box. Until then, it's bye for now.